Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word in order to lead us to a personal transformational relationship with God. This podcast series called Philippians, How to Have Joy, was recorded from September to October of 2021, a sermon series by Preset Ministries National Director Mark Sheldrake to a local Ontario church. Now let us listen to Mark's message as he takes us into the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians where through scripture we can discover how to have joy. Hey, uh, before I get started, I've got a couple things for you to uh, just uh, pay attention to that uh, you, you have the opportunity to study the book of Philippians. And uh, I would challenge you to join in that in some way. Contact the office, get one of those Philippian books and dive in with us so that you just don't take what I'm saying up here to be the whole truth, that you can study it for yourself. So I would love to see many of you engaged in that. That would be uh, fantastic. All right, let's pray before we dig into uh, this week. Father, we thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to uh, study your scriptures. I pray that as we uh, dig into the book of Philippians over the next number of weeks, that you would, you would challenge us in ways that we've never been challenged before, that uh, your Holy Spirit would bring great conviction in our lives in the areas that uh, we are so uh, challenged, which, which all happens right within our own mind. And so, Father, I pray that uh, this opportunity that you have given us to go through Philippians, not only today, but through the next number of weeks, that uh, we would see uh, you in a whole new way, that we would understand how to have uh, great joy uh, in the world that we are living in right now. So we commit this time to you now. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, where I want to start is I've got this picture. If you could put this picture up on the screen. Is it up there? I'm not looking behind. It's coming. There's a picture of Disney characters. Are they up there? Okay, raise your hand if you've seen this movie. All right, all right. So this movie is called Inside Out. All right, so uh, I don't know the full premise of the movie, My son could tell you exactly the whole movie. Uh, He will tell you the date it was released, the year it was released, and the running time of this movie. All right, he will tell you all that. I printed off the paper this morning for myself, and it came off on the printer in his room, and he was like, oh, what are you doing with Inside Out? So uh, hopefully uh, he'll tune into this at some point and he'll, he'll see uh, what we're doing. Inside Out, the premise is this, all right? The whole movie takes place inside the mind of a young girl whose parents are moving them. And so all of these characters that you see on the screen are different emotions, all right? So let's, let's see if we can figure them out. Uh, can anybody find joy? Uh, all right, we know which one's joy, right? That joy has their, uh, her hands raised up in the air. What about fear? Can you see fear? He, yeah, oh, oh, fear stands out. Uh, this uh, 
looked like me when some people offered to take me tubing, all right? So that, that's not the thing, all right? Then, then you've got anger. You've got anger up there, right? You can see it, okay? You've got the flames coming out of the top of the head. And then you have uh, this one here. This is the interesting one. This is the look I get sometimes from my daughter when I do dad jokes. Uh, that's the green one is disgust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dad jokes do not fly in, in our house. Uh, and then, of course, we can't leave out the character who's laying on the ground, which is sadness. And so in, in this movie, all of these characters and these emotions, they begin to react and act to all of the circumstances that are going on around them. In some moments, there's joy. In other moments, there's anger. There's disgust. There's sadness. And there's fear. And, and really, what this shows us, actually, folks, is this movie is more reality than it is cartoon because these are the thoughts that run through our minds. And uh, what we're going to look at uh, just this week in overview, we're going we're gonna to look from a 50,000-foot view of the book of Philippians. Then next week, we're going to build some more historical context, and then we're going to dig in verse by verse into the book. All right, so what I want you to understand is just from this inside out, even though it's a movie released in 2015, running time 97 minutes, I don't know if that's actually the case. All right, I don't know if it's actually 97 minutes, but that's what my son would tell me. These emotions are what run through our minds. You know, I've had the whole month of August off, and at sometimes it's a little bit too long. Because it's allowed me to really evaluate as I've prepared Philippians and I studied through the book of Job uh, over my holidays and I saw Job's reactions to the sufferings that he was going through. Uh, Let me tell you, never get friends like him uh, that he has. They're not great friends. But all of these things happen, these emotions that are coming around us in our society right now is all driven by emotion. Everything that happens in this world is driven by our circumstances. Uh, We have, in this way, one of the most frustrating things that I have watched over the last month is how Christians have reacted to the things that are happening within our government when it comes to COVID. Uh, How people are, are polarized by what's happening in the world when it comes to that. There are arguments on both sides for things like vaccinations and vaccine passports. And you know what's happening within the body of Christ? They are arguing with one another. And the emotion that is coming up higher than anything else in a believer right now is anger. This this one is beginning to control everything that we do and we react to. Right now, it's hard to find that joy, isn't it? Everything we see is so negative that it's built to to get us into our position of, you know, speak up in a position of anger. Yesterday, for me, I watched on National Geographic. I realized that I'm becoming of the age where I'm getting older and documentaries are a thing for me now. I was like, man, that, when did that happen? 
But yesterday I watched uh, the 9-11 documentary on National Geographic, and it was called One Day. And it was basically 24 hours of what happened on 9-11, pulled from all kinds of different, um, kind of different reactions and cameras and all of this stuff was put together by the 9-11 Museum in New York. And it took all of this time and was just released yesterday on the 20th anniversary. And I'm telling you, just as a viewer, I hit every one of those emotions. And a lot of the time I watched in the reactions and I just watched in, in sadness of what had happened. Uh, there was one moment of great joy where this man was buried in the rubble and someone came to get him and pull him out of the rubble and this man says right to him, he says as he's pulling him out, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Because I was praying for an angel and you came to get me out. And I was like, amazing. How can this guy within the rubble, all of this have joy in praising God where he's in the midst of it all. You see, Philippians is gonna be so important for us as we study because we are dealing with all of these emotions in and through everything that we do. Any of you willing to admit with young children that you went through every one of those emotions this morning getting to this building? <laughs> Trust me, I know. I know that the little red guy flamed up more often than not in our house, getting our children off to church. Uh, what I want to do with you this morning is I want to take you to the very beginning of the book of Philippians, and I want to lay out for you uh, some context of Philippians and why it's important for us to study and then next week, we're going to look at the historical context of Philippians. But this week, we just want to lay down some general principles of the book of Philippians. All right, so if you would just turn to Philippians with me. Trust me, we're not getting very far past verse 1 uh, this week. And then a couple of verses within the text that we will draw on together to, to set the stage. So we're just building the foundation this week, and then we will start digging in uh, next week into the scriptures. All right, start with the beginning, chapter one, Philippians chapter one, verse one. Uh, in the first three words that are there, there are two names. It says, Paul and Timothy, uh, bond servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, uh, including the overseer and the deacons. Right there in the first verse, we have the author of the letter and we have the recipient of the letter. We're gonna focus now a little bit closer onto the author. We're gonna spend a lot of time on the author next week, but Paul is the author of this letter. This letter was written between 60 and 62 AD. They believe more likely to the 62 end of the AD, um, 62 AD during um, his imprisonment in Rome. All right, so Paul is writing this letter as he is imprisoned for the gospel in Rome. Why is he in prison? 
That's for next week, all right? But right now, he is in jail, and he is writing this letter to the church at Philippi. All right, Paul actually is believed to have died around 65 to 67 AD, and then we have a a very significant event that happens eight years after the writing of Philippians, and that is the destruction of the temple by Titus Flavius when he came into Jerusalem and destroyed uh, Herod's temple. All right, so that happens at 70 AD. So during this time of the writing of Philippians, this is one of the worst times to be a Christian. And the reason is that Paul, in 62 AD, he is the number one enemy to the Roman Empire. His sole purpose was to preach the gospel to whoever would hear it, but Nero did not like what Paul was doing within Rome and the surrounding areas that he actually gathered up Paul by starting a fire in Rome and blaming it on Paul and then putting Paul into prison. And so Paul, when he's writing this, uh, he is in a deep hole and it is uh, not a very nice place to be. Uh, I've been into uh, a Roman cell, what they had set up in uh, Jerusalem for at Caiaphas' house, a deep hole, not a lot of light, very dark, lit by candles, of course, and not a very good place to be. But this is where Paul is when he is writing this letter. All right, so we'll continue on and look at, I just want to look at a couple of things in this, and I want to recommend to you uh, something I just watched this week, all right? If you have never seen the movie called The Apostle Paul, and you can find that on Netflix right now, I would suggest that you, you watch it, and here's why. Because if you're a visual learner and you want to get some idea of what it was like to be Paul during this time or a Christian during this time, you could see it firsthand. Because during this time in the Roman Empire, they would put Christians on a cross and they would burn them in front of people for fun. They would also use Christians and they would put Christians into a sporting arena where they would send animals out to to kill and eat these Christians for sport. That the gospel was moving forward throughout Asia and Macedonia and all these places in the midst of some of the greatest persecution for Christians. Uh, Paul tells us in Corinthians about all that he's gone through and all that he's struggled through the gospel. And then he writes this letter to the Philippians. And one of the key words in the book of Philippians is rejoice. And so I want to take you to a number of passages in Philippians that show you how this word rejoice is used. All right, so follow along with me, Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 18, and let's look at uh, the first references to the word rejoice or joy uh, found within the text. All right, verse 18 says, uh, What then 
only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. We'll bring the context of all of this in as we go through the verses. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy in the faith. Rejoice and joy. All right, look with me to chapter 2, verse 17. Uh, But if even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. Look at verse 18. You too, I urge you to rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. All right, go over to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things, again, is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1, rejoice. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. This is the one where we're going to spend some time today, and then we'll come back in a few weeks again and look at it. Verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Be my beloved brethren whom I long to see, my joy and my crown. Look at chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your concern from me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. You see, as you work through scripture and as you study and you try to, to build the foundation of a letter like this, you start to read through it and you look at what are the words that run through the whole text. What are some words that we find in every chapter? It's, if it's in every chapter, it's of vital importance. The word rejoice is a running theme all the way through the entire book of Philippians. Now, there's another word that runs through the entire theme of the book of Philippians. Are you ready for it? It's this, attitude. All right, so the first is rejoice. Uh, The second is attitude or a reference to the mind. Those are the most repeated words throughout the book of Philippians. All right, look with me, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. All right, Philippians 1, 27. You want to put a star beside that one? I guarantee you we're going to spend a lot of time there. But it says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. So chapter 2, 2 and 3, focusing on the mind and the attitude. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. 
regard one another as more important than yourselves. Look at verse 5. All right, he says, have this what? What is it? What's the word? Attitude. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ. All right, so now we've got these two words that that summarize and walk through the entire chapter. Look at attitude in chapter 3, verse 4. Attitude and mind come together again. All right, he says, although I myself uh, have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I'm far, I far more. Uh, the word attitude and mind run all the way through the scripture, okay? So we've got two of them so far. I'm gonna give you three today, but two of them are, one, rejoice, two, mind or attitude. They mean the same thing in the text. And then the third is the word gospel. All right, so the third word is gospel, And so anytime you see the word gospel in the text, I would always encourage you, if you are a person that likes to mark in the text, make it look like a megaphone. You know, draw a megaphone because the gospel is going out. Okay, look at chapter one, uh, verse five. He says, in view of your participation in the gospel, you are all partakers of or you're from the first day until now. So participate in the gospel from the first day until now. Look at verse seven. He says, for it is only right for me to feel about you uh, all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. Down in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Now look at verse, uh, chapter one, verse um, 14. And the most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. The word of God is the gospel. All right, so he'll speak the gospel without fear. Chapter one, verse 16. The latter do it without love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Okay, chapter two, verse 22. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of what? The gospel. Do you see how it's repeating all the way through the letter? You've got gospel, gospel, gospel. It's actually nine times the word gospel is mentioned in the book of Philippians. Now, let's just think about these three words for a minute. We have rejoice, we have mind or attitude, and we have gospel. Because those three words run through the entire book, they have to connect together. They are the main purpose of why this book was written. So this is why it's so important when we see that that picture on the screen of of these emotions that are going on in our mind because the entire book of Philippians is going to focus on one spot and it's here. It's our mind and our attitude and how we respond to different things and circumstances in our life knowing that we are workers of the gospel that we are participants of the gospel. 
And because we are partakers and participants and we are followers of Jesus Christ in the gospel, then our attitude and our mind should consume what word? Rejoice. You see it? You see how Paul puts this all together? Rejoice, attitude, and gospel. They all come together. Now, let me give you the main verse of the entire book. The main theme verse. If you were like going to put something in Philippians on a t-shirt, right? So Philippians is the number one book for t-shirts. All right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. All right? So to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians. Do you see it now? Getting all these, you know, on pieces of wood and hanging them in your house, right? This one, got a t-shirt for this one? Chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That right there, even though it comes in chapter four, verse four, near the end of the book, this is the main theme for the entire book of Philippians. Everything that Paul is going to teach us through these four chapters comes back to this one verse. Now, just for our purposes, so I know that you're all with me and none of you have fallen asleep, uh, look at the verse again. Rejoice in the Lord when? What's the word? Always. Oh, wait a minute. When? No, it can't be. How is it that I can rejoice always? Because, you know, I've got these other, I've got these other emotions that, that I'm battling through in my mind on a regular basis. I know, I know you're standing behind this big wood thing and you're telling me to rejoice always. I'm not telling you to rejoice always. The scripture's telling you to rejoice always. But you don't know what it was like to get ready for church today. right? You don't know. You don't know what my kids were doing to me when I wanted. I just wanted them to put their seatbelt on, right? Or what about fear, sadness, disgust, All of these different emotions. You see, every one of these emotions that we had up on the screen at the beginning, they're all circumstantial. Every one of them comes out of one of the circumstances that we're facing. I've got a a challenge for you this week. It is a painful challenge. Just so you know, I did it. And it hurts. But I would... I would challenge you to try it this week just just for fun, all right? Anytime one of those emotions, uh, fear, anger, sadness, disgust, or joy pops into your brain, write down the reason why, (laughs) right? And then just look at it and say to yourself, Why did that happen? 
I'm telling you, that practice right there would be a, a very convicting practice to undertake. I didn't like what my boss was doing this week, and it made me angry. I, I am fearful that there's going to be some sort of vaccine passport put in place that's going to be the ushering in of the new world order and one type of you know, currency, and therefore out of the one currency comes uh, the Antichrist, and the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple. By the way, there's no third temple, so don't worry. That's not what's happening here with vaccine passports and vaccines and all this stuff. There's a lot more that needs to happen from the book of Revelation before we get to the Antichrist being here. But all of this, this stuff scares me, and I don't like it. Write it down. Write it down and see, see what happens when it comes to all of these different emotions. Uh, write down when you experience joy. Have you ever stopped and paused to think about <laughs> what was I joyful over this week? I, I was telling, telling the, the group in the room when we, just before we were praying, you want to know what I was thankful for this week? It is the smallest thing, but the most amazing thing that I have ever seen in my life. It is a three-hole punch. I found great joy in a three-hole punch. Why? Because our ministry sends out thousands and thousands of photocopies of books, all right? We do that. That's what we do. We photocopy and we get books and we put Bible studies in the hands of people and the photocopying machine that we have and it's massive and it's huge and it's expensive and it can make you angry and it can make you disgusted and it can do all of these things. The hole puncher broke on it. So much so that one of my employees started to cry. Right? Punch, 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 thousands and thousands of pages. There was joy in that because guess what? We punch in holes ourselves, but the books were getting into the hands of the people. Circumstances determine some of our emotions that we have. But I want to bring you back just quickly to this, and I want to address rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. Because I want you to look in Philippians chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 12 to verse 14. And I want you to understand the author of this book. I want you to hear the author's heart in this. And then I want to draw you to a couple of different passages. Now, I want you to know, brethren that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment is the cause of Christ, in the cause of Christ, has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else and the most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. When Paul writes the book of Philippians from a Roman prison, he's in a hole in the ground. Uh, this movie depicts it so well because uh, they, in the movie, Paul can't even stand straight anymore. 
He can't stand up proud. Why? Because the scourgings and the beatings that he has taken for the gospel has caused his spine to to not straighten out anymore. That Paul was so beaten so many times for the gospel of Jesus Christ that he can't stand straight. In the movie, the, the most profound moment in that entire movie is when Luke goes to visit Paul in the prison and then he goes back and meets with Priscilla and Aquila and he reports back. Now, this could all be Hollywood, but I think about Paul and what's happening in all the letters is this, and we'll see it in Philippians. But Luke reports back to Priscilla and Aquila. He says, Paul's body is broken. But his heart and mind are filled with hope and joy. What? What? Any one of us who would go through what Paul has gone through in his ministry for the gospel of almost 30 years would have walked away. Beaten, scourged, shipwrecks, arrested, imprisonments, starvation, all of these things. And Paul is going to write this letter, and he writes it to the Philippians, and as he's closing it, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He's yet just three years away from being beheaded for the gospel. Paul will never leave this prison. And yet he says, Rejoice when? Always. How can Paul do that? You see, we're going to leave our time together today with more questions than we have answers. Why? Because we're just beginning to dig in. But how is it that Paul can rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of his circumstances? And because Paul was just a man like you and I, how can we have that? How can we have that same mindset, that same attitude, that same focus where we don't allow the circumstances of life to overtake us and help us to cause us to lose our joy? This is what Paul will call us to through these chapters, I promise you that this is going to be a very convicting time in the word. But I want you to see, just as we rewrap up here, this is the most important thing I want you to understand. Are you ready? Paul's circumstances do not remove the joy that he has for his life. Paul's joy is in position. So Paul's joy is not in the circumstances that he's facing. He's not so thankful to God that he's being whipped and beaten and scourged. He's thankful because he is positioned in Jesus Christ. And what he's being beat for is the fact that he is serving his Lord. So it is only by position that we will find this great joy. This joy that we are looking for can only be found in the presence of Jesus.
So how do you say that? Let me give you a couple examples, okay? Let's go to Revelation uh, chapter five. Uh, positional joy. And uh, we'll, we'll end our time here in the book of Revelation. How fun. All right. So uh, let's look at John for a minute. All right. John was uh, told by an angel who was sent by God to give the revelation of Jesus Christ to the seven churches in Asia. Uh, In chapter four, uh, there's a position change for where John is in the spirit. So the first three chapters, uh, Revelation, uh, the angel is telling um, John about what he sees or what, what is being evaluated of these seven churches And then in chapter four and chapter five, John is up in the spirit and he is in heaven. And uh, look at verse five, at chapter five, and, and John writes this. He says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, which is God. God is on the throne and there was a book written inside and on the back. Sealed up with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Look at verse 4. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book of the law. Do you see what circumstances have done and changed John's mindset here? John is recording, but he, he begins to, to weep over the fact that nobody can break the seals on this book that is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And then in verse five, it says, one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if it was slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and he took the book out of the right hand who sat on the throne When he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, they all fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You see, prior to this, they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is to come. But here now they're going to sing a new song and listen to the song that they're singing in heaven. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with 
with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and a priests of our God and they will reign upon earth. I looked and I heard the voice of the many angels around and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. They were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things heard, I heard them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion and forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Here's two different perspectives on this for a moment. We could, we could get into all the nitty gritty of all, all of this, but really Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the one who was slain. His blood purchased you and I on the cross. He's the only one worthy to open this book. He opens the book. He can take the book into his hands and everybody begins to worship. You see, what's really interesting about this is that John looks from his distance and the circumstances that he's in and he weeps over the fact that no one is worthy and yet the elder who is on the inside who knows the whole story that is in presence of God who is sitting on these thrones that surround God he says don't cry because there is one who is worthy to open the book You see, his mind, he knows what's happening. John, a part of the circumstances, only sees a portion of the picture and therefore weeps. But in position, the elder and all those who know what's going on, what do they do? They sing. They worship. They praise. Does the song that's in that passage, does it sound like a joyless song? No. Worthy, worthy is the one to open the book. Let me give you uh, one more to show you the difference between a positional versus a circumstantial reaction in emotion. All right, Revelation chapter 22, or 21, sorry. Revelation chapter 21. John again writing. We've all heard this before, this passage before. We've looked at it many times. If you've ever attended a funeral, I guarantee you this has been read there. Verse one says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among him. Where will God be? With his people. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. For the first things have passed away. Do you see what happens within position when you are in position with Jesus Christ? In in both of these, I know both of these situations are in heaven. These are both 
in positions of where we are not right now. These are future opportunities, but we see that in position, there is joy. But you see, Paul, as he's writing Philippians, he's amongst us, he's amongst the the believers in this Roman prison, and yet he has the joy and the ability to say, rejoice in the Lord always because he knows his position. He knows that he has great joy, that whether he remains on this earth or whether he goes home, that he has the joy of what is to come. And for you and I, we we need to learn how to have this joy because far too often we get caught up in what's happening in and around us now with way too much of an investment that we forget about our position. And so we'll look at the ways in which Paul lays out for us, you want this joy? This is how you get it. That's only the beginning, folks is how do we have that same joy? Now, let me encourage you with one thing that Paul says through this letter, I'm not there yet. So he's still learning how to find great joy in all that he's doing, but he understands his position. So that's what we look forward to. That's, that's my prayer for you as, as we walk through uh, this Philippians over the next number of weeks is how do we approach the things that we face in this world without running to all of those emotions before we find and respond with joy. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you again for for all that you show us through the scriptures. We thank you for the example of Paul. We thank you that we can just begin to look at the book of Philippians and know that there is a calling here to rejoice. And Lord, I ask that as we walk through the scriptures the next number of weeks, that you would would challenge us to to be able to respond and find how we can respond in the same way. How can we uh, maintain and focus on this joy that we are being called to? How can we rejoice in every circumstance that comes before us? Father, these are the things that we want, we want to work out. We want to understand and we want to respond to. So Lord, speak to our hearts, not only this morning, but over the next coming weeks. Help us to pay close attention by the power of your Holy Spirit at the way we respond to our circumstances. Because Lord, the way that we respond to our circumstances doesn't make us forget our position. May we never forget that we are in an immovable, unshakable, unattackable relationship with you. 
that nothing can break us apart. And so, Father, help us to find joy. Help us to respond to joy in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast by Preset Ministries Canada. Be sure to visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find a Bible study class or workshop that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.